This gospel message is brought to you by the redeemed Christian Church of God, Fountain of Love, Aberdeen, UK. Open your heart to receive this life-changing Word of God. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32. He said, those who do wickedly against the covenant, it shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And my dictionary definition of the word exploit means a striking or notable deed, a feat, a spirited or heroic act. Just want to ask you humbly and respectfully, when was the last time you had an instance of a striking or notable deed in your life? But God has said that that will be a new beginning for us. The covenant the Lord had with us is to do notable and striking things. Because he said that those who do wickedly against the covenant. So there was people who were working against the covenant. Um, if we are to take the exigencies of that particular verse of scripture. There are some working against the covenant, but there are some who are working with the covenant. And he said those working with the covenant, they know they are God. They are strong and they carry out great exploits. And I shared the scriptures and I found a few of those who did that. And this is their pedigree. This is what the Bible says about some people. In Acts chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, just listen to me as I read through a few notes and I begin to share with you soon. He said, but when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to this man? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them. Wow. It's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Isn't that sweet? No table miracle has been done through them, and it is clear unto us. Also, it says concerning some in Acts chapter 5, verse 12, it says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Joshua chapter 4, verse 14. He said about just another man in the Old Testament. He said, on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. And they feared him. And they had feared Moses all the days of his life. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, there was a man that was speaking about another man. Hear what he says. He said, those saw, saw and knew that the Lord was with David. And that Micah, Saul's daughter, loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David. Still more afraid of David. So Saul became David's enemy continually. What led on to that? Before that time, Saul had been afraid of David when David dodged all the arrows that were sent to him. That is why arrows sent unto you, when you dodge them, when they can't strike you, it's a notable act that the people of the opposite side, they will acknowledge that God is with you. Because you will not be subject unto all their efforts and all their abilities in the name of Jesus. And but you are probably saying these are great men of God. You're talking about who was it now? Uh, we started with who? We started with the apostles. We started with Peter. We went to Joshua. Oh, well, I don't belong to that category. I'm not a David, but you are somebody. In Acts chapter 9, verse 36, what does it say? And we read through verse 40. In Acts 36, um, Acts chapter 9, verse 36, 
And we read through to verse 40. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Ordinary woman. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. And since Lydia was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him, weeping, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. Hallelujah. That woman did notable things. Simple things to the extent that they refused that she should die. And they did everything. There are some people, when they die, they are immediately looking for the undertaker. There are some people, when they die, they refuse to bury them. Not just because they want them to be around, just because they know, how can I live without them? May I leave such an impact. May you leave such an impact. And for this woman, she was not a king. She was just an ordinary fellow like you and I. But she touched many lives. And that's why when we're talking of exploits, we're not talking of great things that are out of this world. Little things that people will know and say there's something special about you. And I don't see the reason why you and I, we should live ordinary lives anymore. Because that's not what God has called us to do. Hallelujah. This month, that is starting with you and I. The power of Jehovah we do it. Number one, some important points I want to raise with you. And then we pray again. Number one, the person that does not do exploit will naturally be exploited. The person that does not do exploit will naturally be exploited. And my concluding statement, don't be a victim. I told you before, my elder sister, she used to say, don't let the witch kill you. You know the reason? The witch may get born again. And all your thought of vengeance will vanish like that. So it's very important for us that we make up our mind, brethren, that we shall no longer be under, but we shall be above only. We shall no longer be subject unto exploitation. And there are so many exploitations going on. There are ancestral forces that are still exploiting some of us. We don't need to be under them anymore. There are some exploitations still in the workplace tomorrow. Some of us are still carrying grudges of misdeeds unto us many years back because they oppressed us. That shall no longer be your story. Because there's going to be a revisitation of all those things that you have been cheated on before. That you have been oppressed on before. That you have been repressed on before. There will be a revisitation of them in the name of Jesus. In Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 14. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. And fight for your brethren, your sons your daughters, your wives and your house. Will you fight? Will you fight for your life? Will you insist that whether the devil, like, the devil likes it or not, you will succeed? Do you make up your mind today? It's like, you know, doing child dedication for every one of you, standing up to recite that declaration that I declare in the name of Jesus, that from today forward, I will fight the battle until I win. I will, enlist, I will enlist the help of the Holy Spirit until I possess that which is my own. I beg of you, don't be exploited. Do exploit. There is no beauty in being cheated. There is no, nothing good in being oppressed and being repressed. You are meant to rise on the wings of eagles and to move to the next level. But number two, exploits never go unnoticed. 
It is what announces you to those who will love to oppress you, who will love to repress you, who will love to ignore you, or even those who will love to help you. Take note of that again. Exploits never go unnoticed. It is what announces you. It's those exploits that we announce you unto those who are potential enemies and those who are also potential friends. Did you get that very clearly? And so knowing that, what is my advice for you? Learn to flaunt your exploits. Learn to show forth and be proud of what God is doing through you. It's a change of mentality for me. We were in Southern Africa and, you know, wonderful meeting we had. In fact, I got an email this morning from one of the people that were there that we did the, the leadership training for. And she was saying it's a change of mind for her. She was of the opinion normally that, you know, when things are going for you, you need to just cover it. But, you know, there are some people that need to hear that God is with you so that they can back off. There are some people that need to hear that you cannot be toyed with. There are some of these things that need to revibrate wherever they are in the spiritual realm. Or even in the physical, some people need to hear it. In your workplace, somebody sitting next to you, we need to hear, you know, wisely share testimony of how God squeezed tight those that fought against you before. And you need to do it with wisdom. You need to let them know. Somebody sometime when I was working in West London uh, decided to fight against me. Oh, it was such a sorrowful time. The day they announced the person slumped at the desk. I was so sad. But this person troubled me. Oh, I miss him. Share it with wisdom. You are not part of him departing. But because you must fulfill your own destiny, you must be left alone. You must be left alone. The oppression and the resistance. There's a purpose for your own life. Why should you be stopped? There's a purpose for what God has called you to do. Why should somebody stand in the way? He said he will give the souls of men for your sake. Did you read that in the Bible? And so you must be confident in flaunting it. That can't toy with me in this place. Can't mess around with me. And I'm not threatening. I'm only saying a statement of truth. Flaunt it. Because exploits that God will do through you will be what we announce you unto your potential enemies or to your potential friends. Of our Lord Jesus Christ, he says in Matthew 22, verse 46, Matthew 22, 46, and no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day on did anyone dare question him anymore. Any, no, the, anyone what? Dare it. Isn't that not be nice to be something written about you? That from that day, no one dare try to anymore. They just can't dare it. Because they could see that God has wrought mighty things through you. Number three, for, because of our time. In some circumstances, exploits are not optional, but mandatory. <laughs> Because all this is that I've said, some of us, I say, ah, if pastor, I just come to rile up, I've come to rile you up as I've come to rile myself up. I've not reached my target. I've still got a long journey to go. And I need all the strength that I can gather. And I don't want anyone around or in this room who will be a victim, but must all be victors. 
Sometimes exploits are not optional, but they are mandatory. Don't negotiate it. There are some things that you need to take your stand and say, whether the devil likes it or not, I will need to do exploit in this area. And that's what it happens unto Esther in chapter 4, verse 16. Esther chapter 4, verse 16. It said, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My mates and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I... Now, if I perish, I perish. It's not a kamikaze kind of statement. You know kamikazes? You don't know kamikazes? Uh, during during the second or first world war, during the second world war, that was actually the reason why they bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The Japanese, they finished using all conventional means of fighting. And so, in fact, they started these terrorist acts before anybody else. So you try to fire your torpedo, you know, they just were not doing that. So we enter into aircraft, and then they will go straight and bang against, a, uh, what do you call those ones? Uh, a frigate, or all those warships containing a thousand soldiers. And whatever... So they were doing that constantly. They were, it's a suicide mission. They were doing it, just hit and hit and hit. And it got to a point that the Americans and the Western Alliance, they knew that they could not win that battle, that battle with any conventional means. So what they had to do was that they decided to then do the first time and hopefully the last time, except until Jesus comes, to go and drop two bombs. And that broke the back of the Japanese. Because they knew that we must do something extreme. Now, when I say, when the Bible says, if I perish, I perish, the Bible is not talking about somebody who has a death wish. It's talking about somebody who is prepared to do all that it takes to win. That's what it means. So, if I perish, I perish should be something that should be common on our lips. That I'm going for this. Whatever it costs, I will pay for it. And anyway, you've got nothing to pay because Jesus has paid for it already. You are hid inside Christ already. All these are just your own declarations that you will need to make. And so, sometimes, exploits I'm talking about, they are not negotiable. It's the only way to say, Lord, by your mercy, beginning from tomorrow. In fact, those that are desperate, that's we start tonight. That God will move on my behalf by his mercy. Last month, or the previous last month that was, we spoke about what? Grace. This month, it was about, those are the foundations upon this exploits will be done. So God has prepared you. So if you have not, I hope you are falling month by month. He knows what tomorrow is. I don't know the next month now. I didn't know of this one until just a few days ago that it's going to be exploits. So, but when he made it exploit, I know oh, that's where we're coming from. You thought of about grace. You said you got a lot of grace. You thought us about mercy because we can't qualify for it. Because some of you, you are quaking on your boots already. What is he talking about? I'm not qualified. If you know my situation, if you know my circumstance, if you know how messed up I am, you can't even be talking like that. Well, you've got the foundation of mercy that will help you to do this exploit. Oh, you are worried. I say, well, it's not within the realm of my capacity. Remember, grace, that's what it means. What you don't merit. And so, when we're saying that we are going for a battle, it's not in your strength, it's in his own strength. Number four, exploit-making capabilities are wired into individuals. Exploit-making capabilities are wired into individuals Groups and nations. 
There are some people you find out through scripture or even natural life, they always step out to do something special. Many of them were not born with it. That happened one day. And my confidence is that it will happen one day if it has not happened for you or I already. Samson was born with that. Samson was an exploit maker. Despite the fact that his life was terribly messed up, he was an exploit maker from the first day. He just found it naturally to do something striking and extraordinary. I don't know about you. You might, be, you might just be, you know, oh, Samson is a path, one of the best examples in the scripture of a man who wakes up every day and just wants to do something spectacular. In fact, he decided not to die naturally. He died a spectacular death. The Bible said even in his death, he killed more people than he killed in natural life. Something happened to him one day. He would just say, I'm not going to live an ordinary life. My life is going to stand out. And the man actually lived a life that stood out. And so as I mentioned unto you, not everyone started like that. It can be something that can change suddenly somewhere in your life. But do you also know, there are nations that are like that. They are known for special things they do. And it didn't start like that yesterday. They grew it. Because God does not respect human beings. If anyone desires something special from you, he will give it unto them. What are Germans known for? Ah, more than cars. Eh? Efficiency good. And engineering. You know? So all the top ones, cars, you are right. That's just one part. But where do you have uh, CMS, where they come from, that do all, most of the optical and uh, German? And you can multiply an example like that. They just woke up one day and they said, we will not do ordinary things. We do things in a spectacular manner. Even in football, they try their level best. They always rise up. And I was trying to study Germans at the time. What, what made them? They, you've just lost the war. You're supposed to be full of pity for yourself. Not for one day did you live in pity. They raised their past history, started anew. Japanese are known for something special. You know them. Miniaturization. Now, all this is a physical example that God has given unto us that a person, much more so we believers, we should learn to do notable and striking things. Not learn, but we should start living it because it's already in you. The DNA is there. And it is what God wants us to step into. Number five, very quickly, the time is well spent. Exploit making capacity is not static or permanent. And I alluded to that before. One good example, exploit making capacity is not static or permanent. You can start off your life doing exploits and just being outside. If one doesn't watch out, one can lose it. Exploit-making capacity does not need to remain at the same level. We can keep increasing. I've seen great men of God who you saw them 10 years ago. They've gone farther than they were. And I've seen some, you saw them 10 years ago. They've gone so low, you are wondering what happened to you. And you need to keep your eyes open. You've seen companies that started very well. They've gone no more in, in operation. You see companies that started and they had no hope. They've gone and multiplied. Exploit making capacity is not static. You can build on it. An example you probably will not choose from the scripture is Esau. Esau was a very good example in the Bible. I hope you know. You only talk of Jacob. Oh, Esau was fantastic. Esau started out his life in a very, very disorganized manner. He sold his birthright just for food. But do you know the same Esau, and I think he laid in my heart, and let's read scripture here. Do you know the same Esau, who was so all over the place, got it turned around? I think that might be a good point for me to start rounding up. Genesis 25, verse 29. We'll read a few scriptures, and I want to just do a bit of study with us. Genesis 25, verse 29. 
Let the scripture speak. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. Keep going with me. And Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same rescue, for I am weary. Just stay there. Please feed me with that same rescue, for I am weary. What does that tell you about that rescue? He's had it before. That same one. So there's something about that rescue that makes his head to do like that. And I don't really know which rescue that also does that to you. It might be green to your own. It might be the palm oil in it that makes it red. But there was something about it. To the extent that he ate it so much, he himself started believing because he was redder. He don't miss red. He was redder in color than his brother. Maybe he was constantly, you know, um, is that flushed? Eh? Well, maybe he was in the field. Maybe he was burnt. But for some reason, he was. So he had a problem with something that is very physical that should not have hooked him. Verse 31, because of our time. Verse 31, please. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. Was that wrong or right? Is that the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? If you say wrong, let me see your hand. If you say right, let me see your hand. Right? Yes? Any other right? Okay, thank you. I join my hand with you, right people. Anyone, listen carefully, anyone that is holding a treasure and does not appreciate it, be willing to collect it from them. And there's no sanctimonious behavior, there's no righteousness in that. If someone has got something precious in his hand and is toying with it, and I know the value of it. Somebody comes to this room, you probably have, um, let me exaggerate, uh, 24, let's say 30 carat diamond. Now, most of the diamond you people wear is about half a carat. If you have a one carat, some, some of those diamonds are like uh, one eighth carat. I, I, some of them altogether fake, but let's even leave those ones out. But I'm talking of 30 carat diamond. I won't wear it, but I've got projects to do. And the person who walks into this room and started playing ball with it, I will take it from him. Eh? Those are physical things. Yes. Birthright. What does birthright give you? And I like you answering me. What does birthright give you? Authority, yes. Inheritance. Blessings. It's a position you are born into. But the man said, I don't want to occupy the place. God forbid. It's a very bad example. I don't want to use it. Not me. It's so big, I don't want to use it. Let's say a pastor. He's got so much anointing. And God has said in two years' time, God goes to use him mightily to bless nations. And the man said, I don't want. Will you take it and, and it's on offer? Will you take it or not? No. This man said he didn't want. He said he didn't want it. Don't you get it? Is it not written all over him? If, 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 I'm, if I guess, because this month of festival, listen, 